Hey guys, Radiate Church would love to invite you to join us in our first ever You Matter kickoff party on October 28th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Lugolf Elgin High School Football Stadium. It's going to be a blast for the whole community and the entire county to come together and enjoy some fun. We'll have live music, live service, bounce houses, food trucks, and so much more that'll be there just for you. You can go to radiatechurch.net for more information and we can't wait to see you there. Now enjoy this message from our You Matter series. Make some noise for what God's doing in the house today. If you would take about 30 seconds, turn around to someone around you. Don't let anybody go without being spoken to and say this, you matter to me. Come on, tell somebody, you matter to me, you matter to me. And you may have a seat after that. That was quick. That didn't take 30 seconds. That was like three. That was like three. How many of you guys are excited to be here this morning? Amen. So I want to tell you about something real quick. John's going to come up after, our our campus director is going to come up afterwards and he's going to talk to you about uh, You Matter Week and uh, the week that we have every year to where we serve throughout the week, the community, and we have several serving opportunities and those opportunities are open today for the first time for you to sign up and get involved and serve our community. We served over 1,100 hours last year in a seven-day period, and we're hoping to double that this year. Anybody with me on that? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Starbucks in Elgin. We need one. Praise God. Um, I'm going to open a coffee shop and call it Hebrews. You get it? That was good. Do you know baseball is in the Bible? In the beginning. I don't know why I do these things. I don't, I don't understand. No, we're, we're excited about that. And You Matter kickoff is coming up. We're praying for at least 1,000 people to join us at Lugolf Elgin High School Football Stadium from 5 to 7 p.m. on October 28th. I want to let you know about something real quick. As you turn in or on your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, you can write that down in your notes if you'd like to go back and look at it later. But uh, in, in, in the church world, uh, here at Radiate, we're getting ready. Uh, tomorrow I have a meeting with our board of overseers that help me, hold me accountable. They hold, hold the leadership of this church accountable to the vision and to God. And there's people that we answer to. And because of that, we have meetings and uh, we, we look at several things, and we track uh, a lot of metrics here at Radiate. We track how many uh, team members there were and are. We track um, first-time guests. We track second-time guests. We track salvations and baptisms. And obviously, we track finances because you can't steward what you don't know that you have and uh, all these things. And so we track attendance. And the statistics throughout the nation say that if your attendance is the exact same this year as it was last year, you're growing. And the reason for that is because there are more churches closing their doors than they are opening every single year. The, the, the church attendance is declining uh, throughout the nation in churches. Now, you may go, yeah, but I see all these big churches on Instagram and Facebook and, 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 and Twitter and all these things, and I see videos and all that stuff, but mega churches do not make up the majority population of churches. And so you can see big churches and think that the church is often growing, but the truth of the matter is in America, the church is declining And so they say if you actually have 150 last year and you have 150 at the same time this year, you're a growing church. Well, here at Radiate, we don't like to go into those kind of statistics, do we? We don't like that stuff. So we believe that anything healthy should grow. 
Can I tell you that in your life, anything, if you're healthy, your life will grow. If your spirit is healthy, it will grow. That's just the way it is. And so at Radiate, as we've tracked these things, I wanted to let you know that in one year's time, from this time last year to this time this year, uh, we have grown at Radiate Church by 17% right here in Kershaw County. I think you need to celebrate today. Come on. Because we believe here and we know here that what's not celebrated will leave us. And if we don't celebrate and learn how to honor things in our lives, then those things will leave us. I'm just telling you, it just happens. And so, but y'all know me, or maybe you don't, but you're about to. Uh, I'm always thinking ahead. Like, okay, what does that mean to the deeper portion? Because if we think 17% is where it it begins and ends, then we're fooling ourselves, guys. And so I did some math. I didn't graduate with a high math grade, but I know how to use a calculator. Speaking of which, you know how you count cows with a calculator? Again, dumb. So, <laughs> why? Chris, why do you let me do this stuff, man? Great. That's, you love it. There you go. All right. Um, and so I looked at some statistics, and there is around, right around a little more, than 63,000 people in Kershaw County. Statistics say that only 20% of Americans, and that number is declining a little bit, but only 20% of Americans go to church on a regular basis on Sundays. So that means 80% stay home, which means that today, as we meet here, there's 50,400 people estimated that are staying at home and not hearing about the blood of Jesus Christ and the freedom of the kingdom of God today. So if we think 17% is where it begins and ends, then we've fooling ourselves. And so, guys, I'm just telling you, like, 17%, we need to walk out of here excited about that. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's incredible, and especially since we never broke 100 until after three and a half years old. And so we're six and a half years old now. So in the past three to three and a half years, we've seen substantial growth in what God has done here, and they told us if you don't break 100 to, 100 to 200 people within two years, you just need to close the doors because it's never going to get past that. But we proved that wrong. And I think that we can reach 50,400 people within right here at, in Kershaw County. Come on, somebody. Anybody believe in God-sized stuff? I'm tired of believing stuff that I can achieve, Elliot. I am tired of believing stuff that I can achieve. I can go home and cook a sandwich. I can't go home and do hibachi. You know what I'm saying? I need to believe in things that only God can do. I need to do what I can do so he can do what he can do. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to ask you to do something. From now until the end of the year, I want to ask you to go on an invite spree. I want to ask you to grab as many invite cards as you possibly can. And the only way we're going to grow this thing is we get out and look at people and go, your life will never be the same again if you drop into the presence of Jesus. And I know where he's at. He may be at other churches too, but I don't know about that. I'm not there. I'm here, and I know Jesus is here. And I know people are walking out healed here. And I know things are happening here. So if you'll just get in my car with me on Sunday morning, I'll buy you a dollar sausage biscuit from Mickey D's. I'll get you to Radiate Church, and we're going to watch your life change. Anybody with me? the house today come on i believe in by this time next year we're going to be celebrating over 25 percent growth here at radiate church you know what i'm saying like that's substantial growth at radiate and so i'm just ready i'm just ready to do something magnificent and crazy i'm ready to watch god do something unforeseen and miraculous anybody with me amen if you could stand to your feet with me i'm gonna do something my wife did last night because she challenged me and uh 
made me feel like I wasn't spiritual enough when I read the Bible. How many of you ladies came to Beautifully Broken last night? What a word, man. What a word. It was so powerful. Um, I was uh, a VIP. Had a VIP badge. She said, are you going to wear the badge? You're the pastor. You can do what you want. And I was like, am I going to wear the badge? Yes, I'm VIP. I will be VIP. Let's read Numbers 13, 25 through 33 real quick, if you would. Let's say this. It says, when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to the, all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, we, sir, uh, we went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of Jordan. In other words, there's a lot of enemies around them. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave, uh, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it were men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Father, take this word, put it in our spirits, change us, mold us, direct us, lead us, guide us, take us where you want us to go today. In your name we pray, amen, amen. You can be seated. So today, I, I, here's the title of the message, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are. You can write, and you can title it this, Thanks for the Grapes. Thanks for the grapes. Thanks for the grapes. So I want you to understand today as we go into week uh, two of our You Matter series this, that the lens through which we see ourselves and others oftentimes determines how much we think we matter. It also determines how much we think they matter. So the lens in which we see people through determines how clearly we actually see them and what we per perceive them as. Let me give you an example. When I first met my wife, I knew uh, who she was through mutual friends, right? And uh, it just so happened that me and a, future, a mutual friend were kind of talking a little bit, and she was friends with her, and, you know, so I met Megan, and we knew of each other. And I'm going to be real honest with you, and listen, for some reason, first service thought that I was just, like, having open marriage counseling up here on the stage when I said this, because y'all, they were like, I can't believe he's saying that. We've already talked about this, okay? It's okay. But when we first met each other, we didn't even like each other, right? We didn't, even like, we didn't even want to be friends. We didn't want to be around each other. I thought, you know, she was a typical blonde-headed cheerleader, right, that she was airheaded and just like she just thought she was better than everybody else, right? Why y'all feel so uncomfortable? I'm saying that. Some of y'all are like, oh, my goodness, it's okay. I just thought she was a typical airheaded, entitled cheerleader that thought she had it all together and was better than everybody else, right? But she thought that I was a cocky, arrogant, flirty guy that thought that he could get away with anything he wanted to get away with and get any girl's number that he wanted to get, right? One of us was right. <laughs> one, 
one of us was right. <laughs> I'll tell you how I know one of us was right. Because I got her number that night <laughs> while my girlfriend was in the back doing something else. Yeah, don't judge me! I say that not to brag, but to say I was a cocky, arrogant guy that thought that I could do whatever I wanted and I could just make people like me and I could charm my way through life. So one of us was right, but here's the difference. The more we got to know each other, the more our perception of each other changed. In fact, I didn't say this in the first service. When we first started dating, she went home and she told her mom and dad, uh, who she was started dating, and they were like, who is this guy? And she said he goes to this college, and uh, he travels with this drama team. Listen, I'm just, can, can I just, can I, can I vent for a minute? Can I just, this is open therapy, praise God, you know? And I was on a traveling drama team, and one of my roles in one of the dramas, it, the drama, the skit was called Dumb as a Stick, and I had to act like a chicken. Well, I was about 40, 45 pounds lighter then than I am now. Not that I'm big now, but I looked like a chicken, you know. Like I had the strut, I had the neck, I could, I, I just, I could do it, right? I could get down and I could put this, right? Y'all, y'all can see it now, catch this. And, and one of the parts of the skit, I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say, I had to act like I was shooting eggs at somebody. We did that on stage at churches, right, on a Sunday morning. So she came, some of y'all like, you just, uh, heresy, heresy. I got to pray for you. Good, I need the prayer, you need the practice. Anyway, we are, <laughs> she went home, she told, her, she told her parents who I was dating, who she was going to go out on a date with, and when they put two and two together, they said, wait a second. Is that the guy that was the chicken on the stage that shot the eggs out at somebody in the middle of a Sunday morning service? <laughs> Needless to say, my first percep- their first perception of me was probably worse than your in-law's first perception of you. You know, and, and, but as we've gotten to know each other, things have changed. And here's why. Because the lens through which we see each other has shifted. It's not the same that we saw each other. I don't see my wife as that anymore. I didn't, and, and the more I got to know her, I didn't see her as that. I saw her as one of the most brilliant, caring, loving, kind, just genius individuals I've ever met in my entire life, and I still see her as that. And, but if we're not careful, we can still put on a lens that causes us to see somebody for something that they're not. Have you ever put on sunglasses or glasses after you've been at the lake or at the beach or something and water has splashed up and it has dried on there, especially at the beach and the salt's dried on there, and you put them on and you forget that there's that little water spot, right? And I, and I put them on and I look at, at you, but your head is not there. It's just a dot now. The problem isn't that you're not there and that your face isn't there, and that you're not attractive, and you're not awesome. The problem is, is that I can't see that because the lens that I have on is dirty. How often do we look at people through dirty lens that somebody else messed up, and now we can't see what's in them or in us because of the way that we are wearing the lens? When I first wake up, and sometimes I sleep in my contacts, if I don't uh, take it, don't judge me. Uh, if I don't put the drops in my eyes to clear it up, everything is blurry. But the moment I put the drops in and it clears everything up, I can see clearly. But everything is distorted until. Some of us need, and I'm just telling you today, God's going to change the lens for somebody today. 
God's going to change the lens for somebody today because, and I want to walk through this with you, thanks for the grapes. And in verses 25 through 28, I want to set up the story and go into that real quick. It's Moses is leading the Israelites with Aaron. Aaron is his brother who God had told him is going to lead with you. It's his executive pastor of the church of the great church, the first church of Israel, church of God, praise the Lord, Baptist uh, holiness church. And so they're pastoring this entire congregation of people in Israel, and, and God comes to Moses and says, Moses, you got a promised land. The Israelites, this is their promise. This is where they're going. This is what they're doing in life right here. If you get there, it's already yours. And so Moses got the promise from God, but he had to get the promise to the people. The people had a hard time believing what Moses said because they didn't see God come down and say it. And here's the thing. The people had a choice to make. They could believe in the leader enough to walk out the vision or they could walk away from the leader and sacrifice the vision. Can I tell you today, listen to me, as a part of Radiate Church, you have an opportunity to either walk away from the leader and sacrifice the vision or or believe in the leader enough to follow the vision. Come on. Y'all don't leave me hanging today. This is going to be way better if you talk back. Because the truth is, the bottom line is, is that God, and it may be somebody at your job. It may be a relationship where God is using them and giving them a vision to help you get to where you need to get to in life, but you have an opportunity with that friend to listen or not. I see it all the time. Pastor, help me with this. And then I go to help them, and they don't want to hear it because I've got the instruction. They just don't want to walk it out. And it's not that they're bad people. It's that you have an opportunity to either believe in it enough to follow the vision or walk away from the vision, right? And so they go, and, 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 and Caleb and Joshua and a group of people go, and they spy out the land. And they come back, and they got this cluster of grapes, and they're talking and all these things, right? Right? And, 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 and here's what they begin to do, and it's crazy to me. Because of the lens that they're looking through, they're walking around, and they have one cluster of grapes. And they look at the people of Israel. They look at Moses. They look at Aaron. They look at everybody else, and they go, hey, we got this fruit. We went and checked out the promise. We got the fruit, and man, the grapes are good. And oftentimes, that's the same thing we do in life. Hey, God gave me this, and man, it tastes good. It's great. But the problem is that they went through the cluster of grapes because a cluster only lasts a certain amount of time. And so they were eating the cluster of grapes, and they were like, oh, my goodness. All these got nothing on these grapes. These grapes right here are the best grapes I've ever had in my life. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful with the lens that we have, that we see things through, we will sit here and we will hang and we will carry and we will eat and we will do everything with a cluster. But he didn't say, I got you going to the promised land for a cluster. He said it flows with milk and honey. In other words, everything you need is already there. I don't want you to settle today for a cluster. It's time to settle for the supply. Jesus said, if you will trust me, if you will follow me, I don't need to give you a cluster. I'll just keep bringing cluster after cluster, and then you'll get more, and then I'll bring another cluster into your life, and there's more, and you can have some of that, and then I'll bring another cluster of grapes, and it never stops because it's the supply, not the cluster. But what we'll do is we'll go, and it just keeps coming and coming and coming, and it never stops. 
Because God doesn't want us to walk around going, this is a good cluster. God wants us to go, and you know what? That's my promise. That's my purpose. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's got more than I need. I don't need a cluster. I need a supply. I need God to bring it all. I got to have it. Not because I deserve it, but because he loves me. Because he sees something in me. Don't freak out. I won't spit grapes on you. I only did that in the mic just now. And see, we're walking around going, you know it. Man, I went to church and, and I started the 90-day tithe challenge. And in two months, God has restored my finances. My budget looks better. My bills are paid. I can save. I can let my kids play soccer. Like all this stuff's going on. It's crazy. It's great. But here's part of the problem. We'll walk away with a cluster of the promise. And never work for the entire supply. They walked up to the promised land. And they said, hey, these taste good. But we can't get the supply. It's too big. There's too many enemies. It's all fortified with walls. We can't get into the promised land. And so everybody in the congregation began to go, yeah, I'm not willing to do that. Give me some of those grapes, though. Those grapes are good. And there came a point where everybody in the church of Israel looked back and said, I'll eat the grapes that we have, but I'll blame God that he put me in a destination, that I'm in a destination that he only meant for a season. The wilderness for the Israelites was for an entire generation. They stayed in the wilderness, which was supposed to be the promised land. But he never meant for them to live in the wilderness. He only meant for a season to be in the wilderness. Their choice put the wilderness as a destination. His promise put the wilderness as a season of growth. Come on. Are you with me? See... We can't just look at God and go, hey, thanks for the grapes, but the promise is a little too hard. Hey, thanks for the promise of a restored marriage, but I didn't know I was going to have to change to get there. Thanks for the promise of 50,400 people in this county that can meet you, but I didn't know I was going to have to invite somebody. Hey, thanks for the promise of a church that's going to turn a county completely upside down and watch people's lives change forever. But I didn't know I was going to have to serve there. Hey, thanks for the promise of financial restitution in my life. But I didn't know I was going to have to give. Thanks for the grapes. I'll eat the grapes. I'll eat the cluster. But then just know, God, I'm going to blame you when I don't get the supply. Because the entire time, you know I'm right. Because if you know the story the entire time in the wilderness, you know what they said? God, why did you bring us out here to die? We should have just left us with the Egyptians. We're going to die of hunger. We're going to die of thirst. And God's probably sitting up there going, I'm about to supply everything that you need. But if you would have just been smart enough to believe me to begin with, you wouldn't be sitting at a destination I meant for a season. you got to walk in obedience to get to the supply. Here's what I love, man, is they're walking around and they're, thanks for the grapes. But he says that the land is flowing with milk and honey. And, and what that literally means is everything you need is in the land. 
It's all good. It's all amazing. It's all there. But here's the thing. God had already promised them the land, which means he had already delivered it. It had their name tag on it. It wasn't meant for any other nation. It wasn't meant for the Nephilim. It wasn't meant for the Amalites, or Amorites. It wasn't meant for the Canaanites. It was meant for the Israelites. So anybody else could pop up posts all around the promised land, but they couldn't get to the promise because it wasn't their promise. It was the Israelites' promise. And the Israelites said, well, it must be their land. It must be their promise. It must be their place because they're already in there. And since they're in there, I can't get there. And so I'll walk away because it couldn't be. See, we're not trying to convince God to deliver on his promise. He's trying to get us to the place of deliverance. We got to get to the place to where he's already delivered it. Listen, whatever he's put in your life, a restored marriage, restored finances, kids that know Jesus, uh, maybe a ministry, maybe thousands of people that you'll influence. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a CEO of a corporation so you can change the entire thing. I don't know what the promise is, but if God gave it to you, it's already got your name tag on it. It's nobody else's land. You don't have to convince him to do it. He's trying to get you to the place of delivery. Does anybody believe that in the house today? Come on. See, the thing is, is I love verse 33 in chapter 13. They eat the grapes and they give a bad report. And here's the thing. The reason that they turned the entire congregation against the promise of God is because they weren't willing to work for it. They thought the grapes were going to be delivered. God said, you got to work. You gotta walk, you gotta circle, you gotta play the trumpets, you gotta believe, you gotta get there. Many of us believe that the grapes are there. We believe there's a land flowing with milk and honey, but I didn't know I was gonna have to do it. God, you're God, you're supposed to deliver it. It is delivered. Just like a seed. The seed already has the fruit in it, but the seed can't come to maturation until I plant it, plow it, fertilize it, and water it. God, I, I, I know what you've told me to do, but I didn't realize it was going to take pruning and people were going to have to leave my life to get there. I didn't know that people were going to have to talk about me. I didn't know that I was going to have to spend time fasting. I didn't know I would have to serve at my church and under somebody else. I didn't know whatever, fill in the blank. And so because... Everyone but Joshua and Caleb believed that they couldn't get there. They poisoned the entire congregation and said, hey, we're not willing to fight. I ain't working for this. That's too much. And it says they gave a bad report. In other words, I'm going to convince them that it's not worth their time. And so because of that, you know, they, an entire generation had to die before the Israelites got enough boldness in them again to take on the promise. An entire generation sacrificed a promise because of the lens they were looking through. Let me show you the lens they were looking through in verse 33. It says, and there we also saw the Nephilim and we became, I want you to hear the wording in this, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in theirs 
what disqualified them for an entire generation from the promised land was the lens that they looked through themselves at, looked at themselves through. They looked at themselves and said, we're grasshoppers. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been. I'm tired. I'm 60 years old, and I've been fighting my whole life. I'm tired. I got three kids and a husband that won't go to church with me. I'm tired. My job wears me out. I'm tired. I can't serve on Sunday. I'm tired. I don't have the money to give on Sundays. I'm tired. I'm this, and I'm that. And the whole time, the lens that we see ourselves through is determining the boldness that we walk up to the fight with. And as soon as they saw something bigger than themselves, it says in their own sight, in their own reflection, they looked and they said, I'm too small. I'm too weak. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And so therefore we were in their sight as well. They have no idea what lens they were looking, that the Nephilim were looking at the Israelites through. But because of their lack of confidence in themselves, they automatically said, we can't fight the fight. But it wasn't theirs to fight. And if they would have just taken the lenses off and came with a clear instruction and they would have been able to see it for what it was. See, I love Caleb in this story because Caleb said, man, surely we should go in and take the promised land. He looked and said, I don't care how big the giants are. Here's what I know. I'm not okay with a cluster. I'm not okay with a few. I need the supply. I need the milk. I need the honey. I need the tree. I need the vine. I need the fruit. I need the root. I need the leaves. I got to have it all. Can I tell you something? God never meant for you to live off of a cluster of his promise. And here's what I wish I could go back in time and look at the Israelites in the eye. I wish I could stand up with my skinny jeans on, my microphone and my loud voice, which I'm grateful for because I accidentally muted my mic in the last service during a point, but I was yelling so loud nobody knew it. And I wish I could look at him and go, hey, look at me. You're about to disqualify yourself from the greatest promise you've ever been given. Because you don't believe you matter enough to God for Him to come through on what He's told you. I wish I could look at generations. Men and women, husbands and wives, kids, moms and dads. And I wish I could get somehow a platform big enough to look at people and say you matter more than you think you matter. Don't sacrifice a promise for generations because of what you did and because you're tired. If there's breath in your lungs, there's purpose in your bones. You're not too tired to do something. 17% is good, but 35% is better. And 35% is good, but 80% is better. Come on. And often, we'll grab the cluster and say, I'm going to eat. My husband 
He goes to church with me. Good. Good fruit. My kids love Radiate Kids. Some good fruit right there. Tastes good. Man, you know what? You know what? I started tithing last week. It's good fruit. Tastes great. <coughs> That's why you don't use illustrations like this. <coughs> oh man, last week, last month, I gave above and beyond. You know what? Started praying for my marriage every day last week. Husband's been nicer to me this month. It's good fruit, right? But what if we're trying to live on a cluster? It's going to run out of the supply is found in him there's a land flowing with milk and honey and the only reason most of us I believe have never walked in it is because we're but grasshoppers in their sight the victory is already yours but there are enemies camped around that just want to keep you out because they know if you start coming in you're going to win But if they can make you look at them and go, I'm too scared to even approach the wall. They don't even have to worry about losing. There's no battle included. And so we'll fight battles. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to fight my tail off to find a man that loves me. And God goes, I'm the land of milk and honey. If you will love me, I'll show you what a real man looks like. And if he can't love you like that, then you don't need him in your life to begin with. We'll chase the, the paycheck and the status and the vehicles, men. And we do it because it's like, oh, I'm achieving something. And God goes, you shouldn't get your satisfaction out of external things. Seek only things above, and I will supply your every need. He says, I will supply your every need. He says it like this. I am the water that will never run dry, and you don't even have to eat a loaf of bread because I am the bread of life. And you can live and sustain an entire life off of me and me alone. But you got to be willing to go, I don't feel anything. I feel like a grasshopper today but the truth is I know I'm more than a conqueror I feel like this giants all they're going to do is they're going to step on my head and I'm going to lose my progress but I know that through the power and the spirit of God in my life I'm more than a conqueror I'm the head and I'm not the tail I'm above and I'm not beneath you can't convince me that I'm going to lose you can't keep me out of my promise enemy you can camp up you can pitch a tent you can do whatever you got to do but the bottom line is is you ain't scaring me because I know the savior of the universe he's the king of my life and his land flows with milk and honey I don't have to worry about you stepping on me because I'm about to kick you in the shin and knee you in the nose because I can't lose Man, I I get fired up about this because my entire life, I've always felt like I had to prove myself to be more than a grasshopper. I don't have to prove a thing. With arms outstretched, with nails through his wrists, hanging on a cross, he proved it all for me. And he proved it all for you. And you don't have to worry about it. You just got to charge the promise. Somebody say charge the promise. 
Will you stand to your feet with me today? Listen. I, I, I felt this in the, in the worship part, but I didn't say anything. There's somebody that walked in here today, and you saw the title was You Matter. And here was your first thought. They matter, I don't. And you disqualified yourself from anything God may say to you in this moment because you have thought about taking your life recently because you're not good enough. Your finances are never there. Your marriage is never there. Your kids are never there. Whatever it is, you're just not good enough. And I need to tell you something. And I'm telling you, that's what, this is what we need to go out this week. And for every day that we're alive, we need to tell everybody we come into contact with. And I, hear, I need to tell you this because you've never heard it. And you need to know something. You matter and it does not matter what you've been through and it does not matter who's hurt you you can change your lens and everything about your life can shift in a moment whenever we walk into the land of the forgiveness of Jesus that flows with milk and honey because he never intended for you to live off of a cluster he never intended for you to live off of hope and promise he intended for you to live off the supply come on if you would bow your heads with me today I just, in the first service, I gave an opportunity for those that need to accept Jesus in their their lives. We had somebody raise their hand and give their life to Jesus this Sunday morning. It never gets old. But today, I want to ask you this in here. How many of you would say, Pastor, I've never heard it put quite like that. And I've never given him my life at that level of commitment and submission. And I, 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 I've got to give him everything I've got. I need to be forgiven. I need a new life. I need to walk in a new commitment, in a new, new direction. I've got to walk with him. It's through the cross of Jesus that I'm made whole and only through the cross of Jesus. And through this prayer, Pastor, by lifting my hand, I need to say, this is my time to accept that cross and say that it's my time to walk in a new life with Jesus. If that's you, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything. I just want to ask you to hold your hand up really, really high so that we can pray with you. Amen. Come on, anybody else. You're going to feel a clipboard get slid into your hand because we want to walk this journey with you. So hold it up until then. Hold your hand up if you're ready to pray that prayer. Come on. Amen. 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 Now church, we're a family around here. We do this as a family and I want you to repeat after me as we pray over one person that's walking into new life today. Say, dear Jesus, I love you. Thank you for the sacrifice of your life so that I could have life. Help me walk in a new life with you. Thank you for forgiveness. Let who I was die. Let who I am and will be live. I'm yours. I give you everything. Hold my hand. Walk with me. Talk with me. Lead me and guide me. I love you, Jesus. And thank you for a new family today. Now, if you're in the room and you say this, you know what, Pastor, I've settled for a cluster. 
I settle for a cluster of the kingdom. I've settled for a cluster of his promise, whatever that is. And, 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 and you say, I'm ready for the supply. I'll do what I got to do. I'll sacrifice what I got to sacrifice. I'll, I'll go where I need to go and I'll be what I need to be. I, I just need, I can't live off a cluster. The cluster's running out and I'm ready to live off the supply. I need the fullness of Jesus in my life. And I'll do what I got to do to get there. If that's you, would you throw both hands up in the air this morning so that we can pray together? Come on, all over the room. Hands are going up. They did it in the first service and you're not alone. You're not alone. It's time. I'm ready for the supply because if you raise your hands, I'm telling you, I'm about to pray a prayer over you that's going to release something in your life that's going to change you from now until eternity. You will never be allowed to be the same again through the Spirit of God. Come on, throw your hands in the air if you're ready. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare that right now there's something rising up through the Spirit in their life, God, that we will no longer be satisfied with a cluster, but we will only be satisfied by the supply of Jesus. God, I declare that right now old things are passing away. Whatever you have us to go to, we will not be afraid of the giant. We will not be afraid of the walls. We will charge the promise with everything we have, and we know that what you've promised us, you are going to deliver to us. And if you believe that now in the name of Jesus, would you let up a shout in this place? Come on, Radiate. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church Podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.